Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to covering all the best sporting events taking place from Wednesday to Sunday, and this weekend is no different. We do have a little bit of Monday Night Football action, though, so it is a little bit different. But as always, I am joined by my three co-hosts, Andres, the Cavalier King, Bryant's first prize, Flores, and none other than Mr. Champagne Chauncey. Gentlemen, 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 welcome back. Welcome back to another jam-packed weekend of sports entertainment. In this week's episode, World Cup qualifying soccer. College football week two is going to be underway starting Friday night. And yes, the day everybody has been waiting for. Thursday night kicks off the 2021-2022 NFL season. Thursday is the Cowboys Buccaneers right on into Sunday. The rest of the NFL takes the field. And then, yes, as I mentioned, Monday Night Football. What are our picks? Who are our bold predictions? And we have a special treat for you guys. Who would we take first overall in a fantasy dynasty football draft? We're going to get into all this and we're going to answer all these questions after a quick message from our sponsor. In true Weekend Starts on Wednesday fashion, we want to start off the show with something extremely close and extremely dear to our hearts. And it doesn't get any more close and any more dear to our hearts than what I did Saturday afternoon with close friends and my cousins. We did the first ever Arias Dynasty Family Football Draft. And um, the Dynasty League is a little bit different. So what it, what it is, is this was basically the first and only full-on 25-round draft. Uh, because moving forward, this is my team. So the only way I get to replace somebody is if they retire, if I trade them, or if I cut them. If they have an injury, I can just put them on the IR and keep them there. I believe we have four IR spots. And uh, the one thing that I like about this Dynasty League is that there are four taxi spots. So shout out to my cousin, Brett, the um, aforementioned on this show. He is the Bills Mafia Indio president. And um, the taxi spots are players that are not playing at all. They're not supposed to play, but... Once they play in a game, I can add them to my real roster. Once I add them to my real roster, I can no longer move them back to my taxi spot. So with that being said, um, right now I have a couple of uh, long shot backups on my taxi spot. So nobody important really, just in case somebody gets hurt, I move them into my taxi spot. Or I'm sorry, I move them into my real roster. Now I have the second overall pick. But I wanted to ask you guys, if you had the first overall pick, 
in a dynasty league, just like I described, who would you go with, Chance? Who would be your first overall pick if uh, this was you, you know, forever? Uh, I mean, I think you'd have to go to for a quarterback just because they're probably going to play the longest. I think you'd have to go against conventional wisdom, I think, in most fantasy drafts, which is you take a running back because they're always going to touch the ball. They're going to get more yards, um, which makes sense. But if this is someone who you're going to ride with for the life of the, the league, I mean, I feel like you have to go with like either like a Mahomes or a Justin Herbert or a Kyler or someone like that, someone who's kind of more dual threat, maybe Josh Allen, Lamar, um, just someone like that who uh, you know is going to be around for 10-plus years. These running backs, I mean, shit, we, we see what happened with the Baltimore Ravens running backs, right, uh, Andres? So, like, they pretty much lost their two top running backs. They just had to sign Le'Veon Bell. So you never know with the running back, but the, the shelf life is always so short that for me, I would probably choose a quarterback. That's just me. So which quarterback? Ugh, I would probably take I would probably take like either like a Kyler, either a Mahomes, because he does run occasionally, Josh Allen, Lamar, Kyler. I would take someone <laughs> who I know is going to be T R. Cosby still can't answer the question. Yeah. He doesn't know which one. He's going to take all the quarterbacks. I don't know, man. That's tough because I've never, I've never <laughs> been put in that situation. So, so I'll call it Josh Allen. I'll four, take Josh Allen. You're going to take Josh Allen? Four quarterbacks. Yeah, I'll take Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a nice pick, though, Josh. And you're right. I think uh, in this dynasty league, taking a quarterback because they have that long uh, duration and, and that contract, you know they're going to be the face of the franchise. They're not going to you know, be traded, or if they do, they're still going to be starting. So I do agree with the quarterback. I would either pick up uh, Mahomes or Herbert. I think I'd have to go with Mahomes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, Flores, with that being said, what is the route you would take? So we have Josh Allen. We have Patrick Mahomes. Are you on board with uh, building your franchise around the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, this is a no-brainer that it's Patrick Mahomes. I'm surprised anybody even said or anybody else. Just because of all the records you expect him to break and the length of the contract allows a lot more flexibility than many of these other quarterbacks' contracts probably will coming up. So, you know, he's already thinking 10 years in the future with all the players he's going to have lined up. So, yeah, as far as that answer... You know, that's what that is. But let me just make sure I have this straight because there was a lot of rules you threw out there. How, how do rookies come into play? Is there a new draft? Is it, Are they just like, like – what was the taxi thing you were saying? Were that just three agents? So, or, Like how do rookies work every year? Because if so, you also can think Mahomes, yes, but if there's an offensive just stud that you think, you know, that guy's going to – Christian McCaffrey, regardless of the shelf life of a running back, if you're like, you know what, I can get a quarterback every year. Let's see what happens next year with the number one pick. You can also go that route, but I just don't know how that works. Well, the rookie draft is going to be moving forward um, every year. So uh, next year we'll, we'll draft rookies to add to our roster. I don't know how many we'll be able to take, but eventually we're just going to only be able to, to draft rookies and anybody that's not a rookie would have to be a transaction. It wouldn't have to be a draft. So 
Um, right now we have a mixture of veterans and rookies on our team. And it's funny that, well, and the taxi, like you said, the taxi is just idle players that we're not allowed to play. Once we bring them up to our big, you know, the big main roster, they have to stay there. We can't put them back into the taxi. So that's where it gets tricky. So for instance, um, I had the second overall pick and I'm very happy that you guys took a quarterback because the guy in front of me took Christian McCaffrey and, oh and um, I took uh, Mahomes because yeah. you, I mean, <laughs> you have to, you know, you need it. He's going to be around for the next probably 12, 14 years. He's only 25. They protect quarterbacks a lot in the NFL these days. I, you know, I don't foresee anything crazy happening to him. So well, I, picked up uh chuba hubbard um chuba chuba hubbard uh christian mccaffrey's backup so he is on my taxi squad right now now if something crazy happens to mccaffrey then i move chuba up from you know my taxi squad onto my main squad and i drop somebody that i don't really care for that's on my main roster and then i can add you know like you said flores i can add a rookie to my taxi or i can just you know add somebody else to my taxi squad and leave them there so i'm ready to go um i got a i got a lot of young players uh picked up Devonte smith as well i picked up uh, henry ruggs and then uh in the pre-show i mentioned to you guys that i picked up damien harris so i have a lot of alabama uh, representation on my team so it bodes well for my future let's see what happens and then um andres and flores will be pleasantly surprised that when it came time for me to draft the fourth round or i think it may have been the third round i i looked up george kittle and he's only 28 years old or maybe 27 so i drafted him because i figured he's going to be a good tight end for the next five to six years so my dynasty team is pretty stacked so moving it over to you flores you have a Los Angeles-related headline. Can you please share with the audience? Yeah, I didn't know which way to go. Is it? I mean, is it beat LA or is it go LA? It, it, it was this weekend, and pretty much at the same time too. I, people were texting me, "Hey, this uh, Georgia Clemson game." I didn't give a flying fuck about that game this weekend. <laughs> UCLA handled their business against LSU and simultaneously LA was unfortunately or fortunately for me losing up in the Bay to the San Francisco Giants, which took the weekend series two to one to get back in the lead in the uh, NL West and just in the MLB in general. So it was a good weekend for me, especially at that hour on Saturday, watching UCLA handle their business. The two running backs, almost 100 yards each. Charbonnet leading the way. Uh, Brown with 96, just short of 100. The quarterback, DTR, just it's beautiful watching what this offense and what this team is becoming now that Chip Kelly has been there for enough years that it's really his players. His players have matured. The quarterback is in his third year. He, I saw him as a freshman, just really have a lot of growing pains. Last year was a weird year, and they still did a lot of things, lost a lot of close games. So it was good seeing this victory and seeing the team and you know the possibilities of what they could, could be come to fruition. Let's just hope they continue through the season and into that USC game so we can have a nice little uh, top 10 matchup, hopefully, between both teams if USC holds up their end of the bargain. Yeah, and uh, Andres, before we get your hero or your headline, your friend, your boy, St. Francis boy. alum, uh, he was right. actually named 
uh, Offensive Player of the Week, I believe, for the Pac-12. Uh, what is his name again, Andres? Greg Dolchich. I mean, he's going straight to the NFL, right? I mean, he, he's playing. He's playing on Sundays, no doubt about it. Uh, n- nobody should be surprised by the UCLA win. We talked about it last week. We said that UCLA was going to win across the board. I don't know, maybe Chance. I don't know if he gave a little love to UCLA, but uh, considering the the fact that LSU was having a lot of hurricane issues and the game wasn't on the mind, uh, UCLA look good. They look really good. They look so good that you know they could actually win the whole Pac-12 as of right now. They do have everything offensively, but that kid Dolchitz, Pat. Talked about him last year. The kid's really good. Uh, that big gain for like seventy yard run touchdown was unbelievable. So I'm glad hey, to Andres, see him up on the what, third, on the tight end position. Andres, what did you call the the Notre Dame tight end? I think uh, Mayor. What about him? Oh, uh, they, call, they call him Baby Gronk. Not this is Baby Gronk. <laughs> that run that he had was yeah. amazing. Amazing. Your boy is amazing, man. And he's going to have a great season. And like you said, straight to the NFL. I mean, he put the brakes on that secondary defensive back and uh, made him look stupid. And then he just rumbled and stumbled for like 30 yards after that. I mean, dude, if I was a DB and I saw him come in, I would just probably do my best to just try to grab his foot and just try to hang on and see if I can trip on. I mean, He's pretty big, and he's definitely going straight to the league. So uh, let's keep it with you, Andres. Your uh, hero or your headline has to do with a tennis star that is rising. Yeah, let's talk about this young tennis star rising, and it is uh, a young one from the making. Her name is Layla Fernandez, the Canadian 19-year-old. She just turned 19 on Monday, guys. She's defeated her third straight opponent who's been ranked. She was unranked coming into the U.S. Open up in Flushing, New York. She beat Naomi Osaka the first round. Then she, or sorry, in the third round. She beat Angelique Kerber in the fourth round. And then she entered uh, the quarters, uh, reaching the semis by defeating the number five seed, Alina Zvitlina. (laughs) Alina Zvitlina. Uh, So she beat her. She's this kid. This young lady hasn't done something like this since the good old days of Serena Williams when she was just 17 in 1999. So uh, big shoes to fill, but this girl is on fire. She's going on to the semis. First time ever for the first Grand Slam semis. I'm predicting, guys, we take this bold prediction that she wins it all. Unranked. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's as bold as it gets because that would be – a huge story. This is a major. So, yeah, I'll take it. Um, Andres, so you said Fernandez is playing in the semifinals. When is that matchup? Um, if I'm not mistaken, the semis are on Wednesday because I know Wednesday or Thursday, I know the finals are on Saturday for the women's. Okay, so um, your, your bold prediction is that Fernandez wins the U.S. Open. Correct. Now, this is the first mention of bold predictions. So each bold prediction is worth seven points. The first to 21 collects beverages from the losers. And right now everybody is at zero. So Andres, I just wrote down Fernandez wins the U.S. Open as your bold prediction. Good luck to you. And uh, you, last but not least, Champagne Chauncey joining us from West L.A. Uh, Champagne Chauncey, do you have a hero or a headline? 
you have a headline and with the start of college football season, the first full week that we just uh, finished in the college football season, I felt that it was appropriate to talk a little college football. And my headline is ACC, and that stands for the Ass Coast Conference because the <laughs> ACC did not play well at all this past weekend. Teams like Miami, UNC, obviously Clemson, all lost, all looked uninspired, especially Clemson and Miami. Miami took a shellacking to Alabama. Alabama looks dominant as ever. Um, Clemson lost to a Georgia team that always has a tough defense, only scored seven points. I tried to tell you, Andres, that that, that new quarterback who's already doing Dr. Pepper commercials um, for Clemson wasn't going to do anything. He looked lost. He looked overwhelmed. He looked a little slow. Um, and, man, my Louisville Cardinals, I mean, they literally maybe only win one game this year, and that's next week against Eastern Kentucky University, and they might not even win that game. <laughs> But the real reason why I want to talk shit about the ACC is because two of their teams who've actually been somewhat competitive, Duke, and I know you think of Duke as a basketball school, but you got to remember Daniel Jones was drafted uh, in the, I want to say this, uh, the sixth overall pick by the New York Giants a few years back. He came out of Duke. Um, so their football program has been on the up lately, but they actually lost to Northern Illinois, a football subdivision school. So not even... Uh, a school that can qualify to play in the national championship. And then also on top of that, excuse me, Duke lost to Charlotte and Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois. So two teams that were not supposed to lose these games um, that lost these games to inferior competition. The ACC, Patrick, looks completely down this year. And it's more of a reason why we need to latch onto the Big 12, or excuse me, the Big 10, uh, on this conference realignment, man, because we are going to struggle this year in football. My, 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 my pick is that the ACC will not even have a team qualify for the playoff this year. You said that your bold prediction pick is that no ACC representation? Not, 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 no, and that's why I try to clarify for a little bit. Not a bold prediction because I don't even think that's that bold, frankly. Yeah. But, um, uh, I just I don't see any ACC team qualifying for the playoff. I don't even know if they'll have an ACC team in the top seven, eight ranked at the end of the year. They are that bad. It looks that bad this year for the ACC, fellas. Yeah, I mean, I when it looks that bad to start, you always wonder, like, if anybody's going to sneak in and kind of surprise anybody. But we will keep an eye on the ass coast conference thank you chance and uh, flores's headline was go la and beat la andres spoke of the tennis star rising and the weekend starts on wednesday panel agrees that if you had the number one overall pick in a dynasty football draft that we would definitely go with a quarterback more specifically either josh allen or patrick mahomes and those are last week's heroes and headlines If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. 
Andres, Andres, Andres. Welcome to the weekend. The weekend starts on Wednesday. And this weekend, Andres, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Wednesday night, Panama versus Mexico. Tell us everything we need to know about this World Cup qualifying matchup. People are wondering why we're talking about this, Pat. Pat, a little bit more excitement from you. You know why, Pat? Because the weekend starts on fucking Wednesday. It's Mexico-Panama. These two teams, and people are saying Panama, like really soccer? Yeah, well, they're actually in second place in the CONCACAF uh, qualifications right now. Playing again, And Mexico's in first place in the table. So it's going to be a one-two matchup. It's going to be exciting. This game is in Panama. Panama, the sneaky guys trying to sneak into the to the World Cup next year. USA is looking on the bottom up. Uh, they're in the fifth seed. So Mexico, U.S. is going to be hoping for Mexico to come out uh, victorious so Panama can drop in the table in the rankings. Mexico hasn't lost a game yet during these qualifiers. They have won uh, both games, one against Jamaica 2-1, to and then to, uh, Costa Rica 1-0. So it's going to be a fun and exciting. Last time these guys faced one another, um, Mexico beat them. But at the end of the day, this is a new Panama team who's hungry for blood. Just watch it. You know, us Mexicans are going to be watching it. <clears throat> I'm sure all the Mexicans in LA are going to be watching it. And then we have that beautiful nightcap afterwards, Pat, on that USA soccer game. So, yeah. You know, Flores is going to be rooting for Panama, and he's probably going to get his Roberto Duran t shirt on to root for the Panamanians. Yeah. So, uh, Flores, let's shoot it over to you. 7 30 after the Mexico game is Honduras versus USA. What, is, what are the big statistics to know about this matchup? I wish I could try to be as enthusiastic about this game as uh, Andres is about the Mexico game and obviously the CONCACAF in general. But, hey, we have USA versus Honduras. And then, like uh, like Andres said, the USA definitely needs to pick it up. They just drew with Canada. I think it was 1-1. And you got to beat Canada. you got to get those three points. This is important. With Honduras, I mean, they've beat them – 6-0 as recently as 2017, also drew with them in 2017. Their most recent matchup was earlier this year in June, USA won 1-0. Um, but that was, again, that was the Nations League. This is actual stuff that matters, so I do expect the USA to pull this out. Their goalkeeper isn't available. Uh, Zach Steffen tested positive for COVID. Um, there's a couple players out with injuries. Weston McKinney is out, so I mean, it's going to be a struggle because it seems Team USA is struggling right now, but I'm sure they'll pull it out. If not, they are going to be in a very tough situation trying to get enough points to make this World Cup. Uh, USA is on the verge of missing the World Cup, Andres. True or false? Uh, They're not on the verge yet. There's still a lot of games to cover, but being in fifth place after two games and, you know, are, uh, and then not covering the three points for Canada does not look good. Uh, will as of right now, if they, if they continue with the next six games moving forward, ooh, they better hope to be in the number three spot because they don't want to be in the number fourth spot. Because if they fall in the fourth spot, they're going to have to be a one game playoff against uh, an outside country. Whom that and that could be a draw. To we don't know who that draw will be, but they don't want to be in the number four spot. They got to pray for the three spot. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great uh, football kickoff to the weekend. Uh, now, moving along to Thursday is American football. Uh, 5.20, the Cowboys go into Tampa Bay, who I recently heard today 
as I was listening to uh, the base to MLB network that they're calling it Champa Bay because of the Champa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And of course, the Rays went all the way to the World Series. So the Champa Bay Buccaneers. And um, I am a Cowboys fan. And Chance, I said in the pre-show that this kickoff to the NFL season, the 2021-2022 season, is going to be the Cowboys getting their asses kicked. Am I right? Or do the Cowboys have any kind of chance to, as Andres would like to say, do the Cowboys have a chance to cover the spread? Uh, yeah. Spread is, is Cowboys plus eight. You know, they got a chance to cover it. I don't think they'll win. Um, the reason I think they have a chance to cover it is going to be ring ceremony, championship night. There's going to be a lot of tears shed because the, the team is going to be obviously happy for for celebrating their championship, their unexpected championship over the, the Kansas City Chiefs last year or this, this past season in the Super Bowl. But I think that the Cowboys, um, they have a shot at covering the spread, but they have no shot at winning this game. Um, <laughs> you know, I just mean, <laughs> I think that this Tampa Bay team, um, I honestly think they still have a chip on their shoulder. I think a lot of people feel like that they kind of skated through the playoffs because they had Tyler Heineke, a Heineke or whatever, and then they had the uh, you know Drew Brees and his noodle arm, and then they had you know Aaron Rodgers and some of the mysterious play calling between him and Matt Lafleur um, in the NFC Championship, and then they had the, the the Chiefs who had a hurt offensive line. So I think that they're playing with the chip on the shoulder. I read somewhere where Tom Brady is going to be playing without his leg sleeves for the first time in like twelve or thirteen seasons. So I don't know if he thinks he's going to be come Lamar Jackson overnight or something, but, um, you know, he's feeling himself. He's going to, you know, add a new wrinkle into the new marketing campaign for TB12, which I'm obviously president of the fan club and, you know, number one recipient on the newsletter. So I see this team, uh, this Tampa Bay team, um, you know, wreaking havoc, havoc all over the field on Thursday and putting away this Dallas Cowboy team, Patrick. Flores, do you think the Cowboys have a chance or they're going to get blown out? I actually told my friend this week who was, he's in uh, one of those leagues, the survivor leagues, where you have to pick a team to guarantee a win every week. And it's first week, there's a lot of, you know, what ifs. This is a for sure, you just go Tampa Bay. I just, I don't know. I don't trust the Cowboys in big games. And who do you trust more than Tom Brady? I, even though, it, it, is it a big game? I mean, it's the first game of the, se- the season, but um, Tom Brady takes every game seriously. I don't know about any Super Bowl hangover that's going to happen, so I just expect Tampa Bay to go full force. And just this season, man, I mean, imagine if Tom Brady gets a Peyton Manning type of Super Bowl where he's just – out there not really doing his thing, but the defense is good enough to carry him to another Super Bowl. And is this when we just see this defense step into another level like they did in the Super Bowl? And, you know, are they going to have a great season, the defense specifically? And you see all those weapons they have on offense. So all Tom Brady needs to do is just just kind of get the ball out there. And I think this team might carry him the rest of the way to a Super Bowl, and this is when it starts. 
I hope so because I have Tampa Bay's defense in one of my fantasy football leagues. And last but not least, the betting man who sometimes has some crazy ass bets. Is this one of them? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the over 52. I like. I think it's going to be a high scoring shellacking that Buccaneers are going to give. They're going to get at least score 42 points tomorrow. You know, I'm hoping the Cowboys can at least put up maybe 11 points and then cover with 53. Uh, they'll cover the spread. I think ring ceremony. Tom Brady's not going to lose when it's ring ceremony night. He's going to show, make sure that he's on, it's on primetime television. TB12 looks always looks to be good in, in front of the cameras. So, yeah, I'm going to chalk this up to say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will uh, win by 14 points or more. Wow, 14. No respect. No respect for Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and company. And um, I don't blame you. Um, like I said, I am a Cowboys fan, and I think they're going to lose uh, half the games they play this season starting with this one on Thursday night. Now, um, moving along to Friday is baseball. The Padres versus the Dodgers. Flores eloquently put it in the beginning of the show that the San Francisco Giants are number one in the NL West. They're number one in all of baseball, and they are not letting up. Um, They are here to stay. Now, One team that sometimes is here to stay and sometimes is not here to stay is the San Diego Padres. Friday night, 7 p.m. chance, the Padres are throwing Jake Arrieta, seasoned veteran, against Dodgers Walker Buehler and Flores. Walker Buehler is your front runner for the Cy Young Award in the National League. So let's see what he does. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I think he had a bad game against the Giants, and I don't think he's ever going to have another game like that for the next, like, maybe two or three seasons, hopefully. But anyways, uh, moving it over to you, Chance. Do you think that Bueller bounces back Friday night and has a great outing? That's your boy. That's your boy from Kentucky, right? Yeah, he is. He's the homie from Lexington. Um, young young ace of the Dodgers staff. Yeah, I think he's going to bounce back. And I actually see that um, he's facing Joe Musgrove, so I don't know if oh. they made a late season, a late a late change in there. But Jimmy for the stats was in my ear telling me that Joe Musgrove was slated to go. Um, and if that's the case, I really like our chances because he's ten and eight. He already is kind of low, two eight seven Joe Musgrove, but that win loss record is not great. But yeah, I think Walker Bueller is going to bounce back. He did not play well at all uh, his last outing against the Giants. They pretty much lit him up in the first few innings and put that game out of reach. So I'm looking for him to bounce back and the Dodgers to hopefully somehow, some way, gain some ground on the Giants, even though we aren't going to see them and potentially into the playoffs. Now, Andres, um, you saw something on Friday night. It's the infamous play that cost the Dodgers the victory. Um, now, we love you. And we love we love having you as as one of the hosts, one of the original hosts. And one of the reasons why we love having you on is because you say the craziest things. Now, this this throw that cost the Dodgers the game, in your crazy mind, what is this a microcosm of what's going on in the Dodgers clubhouse? Give us something crazy. Well, 
I don't. I mean, I was. We. I saw the outcome and the turn of events with Chance. We we're actually together watching the game together at the bar that we were at after playing golf. But uh, I don't understand the move that was made to pull out Pujols and then to put it in Will Smith at first base. Will Smith on paper is supposedly five ten. I'm probably saying. I'm probably guessing he's like five eight, five nine. Good day. I probably am a little taller than him by half an inch. Shut the but fuck when you pull out pool holes, um, <laughs> when you pull out pool holes, though, who's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, that's a big range uh, of height difference to where if it was pool holes at first base, he wouldn't be jumping up like Will Smith to be getting off the bag that cost the Dodgers that run. But um, – that's Roberts' call. Uh, we should have at least taken two out of the three in San Francisco. Uh, hopefully the Giants can choke a game or two and we can gain some ground. Uh, Bueller's on the mound on Friday. I don't think there will be any issues. We should cover the cover it and beat, beat uh, San Diego handsomely. So Okay, so for those of you who don't know, on Friday night, the ball was hit to second base. Second baseman threw the ball to first base. Should have been a routine play to end the game. However, the ball flew over Will Smith's head. Andres says he's 5'8", 5'9", but I think he's probably closer to six foot. But anyways, um, it flew over Will Smith's head, but Andres thinks if Pujols was playing first, the catch would have been made. The game would have ended. Flores, you took yourself off of mute. Did you want to comment on this game? It, uh, what I want to comment on is just the Dodgers should have taken two out of three. Well, guess what? They did it, and that's <laughs> what championship medal is. Dude, shut the hell up, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you act like you're one, like, you still high off with the championship in what, 14? Like, hey, come on, bro. Like, it's, it's still the same team. It's no, still it's the not. same team. No, it's team. not. Same team. None of Tim Lincecum is not there. Bumgarner is not there. Hunter Pence is not there. Like, it's not the same team, bro. I, we'll see in the playoffs. This, I'll just leave it at that. All right. The spicy talk and, like, going at each other's throat is delicious to me. This is awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a little bit of the same team, but that pitching staff with Matt Cain, Lincecum, Bumgarner, I mean, and then Sergio Romo closing in, closing out the games. I mean, we'll see what happens for us. We, I hope that um, I hope that we see you in the playoffs, but who knows? I mean, we might see the Padres after they beat the Giants in the wild card. But uh, moving it over to uh, the boxing match that's scheduled for Friday night. Take it away, Flores, because this is going to be around the same time as the baseball game. So what should we be doing? So ESPN Plus, as usual, I mean, they have a, a little weird card this weekend, and that's because of how huge the, the card is on Saturday that we'll get to. But Oscar Valdez, I mean, I'll start it with this. I'm not a cheater, never have, never needed it. Oscar Valdez right now on top of just having a fight coming up, coming off a great win against Burchell earlier this year, having maybe knockout of the year. Just the hype was grown just to levels that he had never seen before. He's getting some of the Canelo hype. And then he tests positive for steroids recently. He was my scumbag of the week not too long ago. So he's still fighting this weekend on, on Friday on the 10th. 
He's taking on a guy that he should be handedly. It's it's not something that he's going to come in against Robson Conseco and be expected to lose as a huge favorite. So watch him because of the drama. All they're going to be talking about is his steroid allegations. So it's something to at least have an idea of because this is one of the biggest potential stars in boxing. He was about to take that corner into that, and who knows what this is going to do. And also, already, like I mentioned, why I called him my scumbag a couple weeks ago because this is going to bring a lot of negativity on Canelo and Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, who now has two fighters in Canelo and Oscar test positive for steroids under his supervision. So again, it just, it puts a a black eye on that team and the great things that they're doing and potential um, coach of the year, trainer of the year that Eddie Reynoso was going to win. So still a great fight to watch. There's going to be a lot going on involved as his head. So can he just put that all to the side and handle his business that day? There's also another card on ESPN plus out, uh, out of Europe a little earlier too. So you guys can tune in for a lot of boxing on Friday on ESPN plus. So this is the world junior lightweight championship. Yeah. The WBC. So again, Oscar Valdez proved that he's the best at that division in the last fight he had. It was one of the biggest fights in a long time between two champions. Burchell had only lost once in 2014 and, you know, he killed everybody after that. So the fact that Valdez knocked him out and the way he did was amazing. Um, and yeah, now he's a champion. Now he's the man in that division. And will he continue to, they didn't strip him of the title, even though he did test positive there for steroids. So that's big for him. A lot of people criticizing that so they still are fighting for his title and it is at casino del sol in tucson arizona it's going to be a really really fun night in tucson so that concludes wednesday thursday and friday we still have saturday and sunday we'll be getting into that just after this And Jacksonville State is a Gamecock, so I am a gamesman, and uh, I guess I could be a cock. So I, I like both. I like them both. During the pre-show, Flores said, and I quote, It doesn't get much better than this for college football Saturday morning. And uh, 9 a.m. is bright and early here on the West Coast. It is the 12th ranked Oregon Ducks taking on the third ranked Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. I believe this is a rematch of the 2014 championship game or maybe the 2012. One of those. So it's definitely not a rematch in terms of the rosters and the coaching staff. But two prominent schools. Huge programs, Flores. The over is set at 63.5 points. Ohio State is a heavy favorite by 14.5 points. What do you see happening on this game? Yeah, and these are definitely not the same teams uh, as 2014, but you know who is, and that's the San Francisco Giants. Just thought I'd mention that. But as far as these two, Oregon and Ohio State, look, man, the Pac-12 needs to show out. Right now, they've got three teams ranked almost back-to-back-to-back in the top, like 15 or so, with Oregon leading the way at 12, SC at 14, UCLA moved all the way up to 16. So the Pac-12 needs another staple victory, and unfortunately, Oregon is going at it without their star 
uh, defensive end, maybe the number one pick or a top five, top three pick coming up in the uh, NFL draft. But Kayvon Thibodeau will unfortunately be, I believe, unavailable. Big blow, but hey, if it's not the quarterback, it's just next man up is kind of the deal I see a lot of the times, especially in college football, with just the amount of talent that there is. So I still expect it to be a really good game, a lot closer than the way that they have it at 14 and a half. I would bet Oregon on that. It's still Oregon. They're still a stud program that's going to have another great season, and they're going to be up there for the best Pac-12 team come end of the season. Whoever USC or UCLA wins the South, they're probably going to play Oregon in, um, out of the North. So Stanford kind of stumbled. Stanford's going to hopefully keep doing their thing too. But if Oregon gets this victory, it's going to be huge for the Pac-12, and that's all I care about. No, absolutely uh, not, Flores. You're smoking fucking crack, dude. <laughs> I don't know what you were smoking today, but that shit is. <laughs> Oregon struggled against Fresno State over the weekend. They barely won. They, 100%. They were, 100%. Great. So hold on. on hold on. Then. We're talking about quarterbacks, right? Who has a better quarterback between Oregon and Ohio State? Ohio State. That kid, Strud, is amazing. This guy is unbelievable. He threw four touchdowns the other day against Minnesota. He's a starter. He came from out of uh, modern day. He knows what he's doing. This team is at home. They don't lose at the horseshoe. The 14 and a half is too low. These guys should be favored by 21. They're going to destroy the quack, quack, quack ducks and just blow them out of the water. I don't like the over-under because I don't think Oregon's going to put up any points. I give me Ohio State. Minus the fourteen and a half, they're gonna win by twenty one, if not more. Blow them out. No, there's, there's. Well, let me let me put this down then, since you're so confident. Is it bold enough a prediction to say Oregon's gonna win this game outright? Yeah, that's bold enough. I'll oh. give you that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would even give you seven points that they come in within. Mm-hmm. But... No, I'm going, oh, no, no, I'm no, going no. they win it just outright. No, yeah, good. I I give it to you for sure. Chance, is that bold enough for you? Sure, I'll take it. Now, there's literally two ways that this can go. Everybody's going to look and say, oh, Oregon struggled against Florida State, so they're going to get blown out. Fresno State. I'm sorry, Fresno, Fresno State. State, and they're going to get blown out. But there's always the, that, that time when maybe a team struggles where they shouldn't have, and they come back strong the next game because they correct everything. So that's something to keep an eye on. Definitely, definitely great way to start your Saturday, 9 a.m. Flores, I'm writing it down. Oregon beats Ohio State as your bold prediction. Good luck. Uh, Shooting it over to you, Andres. This is the battle to see who has the better tractors. Is it the 10th ranked Iowa Hawkeyes or the 9th ranked Iowa State Cyclones? This is a four and a half point favorite to Iowa State. And the over-under is set at 46 points. Now, mind you, Andres, Iowa State just beat University of Northern Iowa barely by less than a touchdown last week. Who do you have winning this game? Uh, you know, give me give me Iowa. Give me the Hawkeyes. Um, I know Iowa State has their returning quarterback in Purdy from last year's class. But this is an Iowa team that does not 
lose to Iowa State. They don't lose to their in-state rivals. I know it's a tractor away um, from their campuses, but <laughs> either way, tractor party at Iowa. Um, Iowa will be cleaning up house. I know, though, Jimmy with the stats did come up and tell me that this is the first meeting between these two schools where both of them are ranked in the top ten. So first time ever in school history that this rivalry actually has more value than never before. Um, I'm going to go with Iowa, though. Black and yellow, throw that out there. Go Batman. Yeah, I mean, Iowa played Indiana last week, and I was watching College Football Live last week, and there was at least two or three gentlemen who get paid a lot of money to say profound shit. Two of them said that Indiana is the real deal, and they couldn't even put up a full touchdown versus Iowa last year or last week. So I think Iowa as well beats the Cyclones. Uh, moving it over to the 7:30 nightcap, Stanford versus USC. USC Chance is ranked 14th in the nation. USC is favored by 17 points to win this game. The over-under is set at 52.5, so Vegas thinks there's going to be a lot of scoring on Saturday night. Now, USC handled their business against San Jose State. Last week, they won 30-7, so the offense was good. Defense only allowed a touchdown, probably in the first half. And uh, Stanford lost to Kansas State 24-7. Is this going to be a blowout, or will Stanford bounce back against one of their conference rivals? No, I see this being a blowout. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm a David Shaw fan. I was just remarking off air about how impressive of a record he has as a coach. I think he's got about 86 wins to only 30-something losses, which is pretty impressive over his nine-year uh, span of being the head coach. But I think this team, the Stanford Cardinal team, lacks uh, you know those impact players, uh, especially when you compare it to, to USC, who has – a receiver who's 6'5", by the name of Drake London, uh, who caught 12 balls yesterday, or last week for 137 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but was definitely balling. I just see USC having more impact players. I'm actually going to go with the under, um, and I think it's going to be close, but I think most of those points are going to come from USC. Uh, if Stanford could only put up seven points you know, against Kansas State, who was unranked, and then they have to go to a, <laughs> a ranked USB team uh, to a rivalry game. Uh, I just don't see how they're going to fare any better. So I'm going to go with USC convincingly at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday on Fox. Uh, does uh, the Cavalier King or Flores, do any of you guys disagree with um, Chance's prediction that USC handles their scandal pretty well? No, I agree with them wholeheartedly. I think uh, this is a Stanford team that definitely is uh, rebuilding. I don't know if Shaw will make it in the next two years in Stanford. He might move out or they might get rid of him because I don't know what kind of returning class he has. But SC for sure is going to blow them out. Well, based on the statistics that Chance just said, it sounds like Shaw just needs to have at least a couple nine, eight win seasons um, back to back to at least secure his job and then go from there. But I have a bold prediction that I want to present to you all. Uh, it's a combination of an upset, and it's a uh, it's a combination of an upset and the Ask Coast Conference. Uh, I'm I was looking at at the games for September, or I'm sorry, for September 11th, 4 p.m. Appalachian State Mountaineers travel into the U, into Miami to play the 22nd ranked 
Miami, Florida Hurricanes. My bold prediction, and keep in mind, Appalachian State is a nine-point underdog. I'm predicting Appalachian State wins. Is that bold enough? Let's start with you, Flores, since your phone is off of mute. I'll take it. I'll give it to you. It's still first round. Andres. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Chance, don't. Chance, come on, Chance, please. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I love it. I if, hope yeah, you're right. That just solidifies your statements even more. And then Flores, speaking of solidifies, um, shout out to my cousin, Michael, faithful, loyal listener. Uh, he's he's the um, LAFC. He's our ear to the ground with LAFC. Him and his wife traveled to Mexico and uh, they were escorted to that soccer game. And um, me and him were talking on Mon- or on Sunday about UCLA Flores. And he's a huge Bruins fan. And uh, cousin Michael said that he hopes that LSU wins at least 10, 11, or like 9, 10 games this year. That way USC's win is solidified, or I'm sorry, UCLA's win is is more solidified throughout the season. Is is that the talk of Westwood? After you guys won, is that something that you guys realized as well, that you kind of need LSU to win a lot of games for that win to look really good? Yeah, but I mean, the expectation is that they are not because, yes, UCLA did their part and looked great, but there were a lot of times where LSU just looked really flat. The quarterback was not accurate. There was drop passes. There was LSU potentially should have won that game. There was a lot of drop passes in the end zone and missed opportunities on their part that just led to some UCLA momentum and big plays that they did. But I mean, I don't know what LSU is going to do, but based off of their performance last year and based off of that game it's not expected that they're going to be what <laughs> the coaches thought at the beginning of the season putting them 16th in the nation all right so let's keep it with you um explain to everybody what's going on saturday night in the boxing ring and then chance and andres will have some follow-up um bets and questions regarding these fights so i don't even know what's bigger this saturday night is it the fact that Evander Holyfield is coming back to the ring? We saw Mike Tyson not too long ago. Now we're seeing Evander Holyfield. And why are we seeing Evander Holyfield? Because Oscar De La Hoya caught COVID. He was supposed to be fighting Vitor Belfort, who's a great MMA UFC legend. They were supposed to be boxing. This was a real fight that was going to go on De La Hoya's record. I was even looking into tickets like, hey, this is right here at Staples Center. This is somewhere that that you could go watch it. But that all got scrapped. Evander Holyfield stepped in. There was talks of him suing uh, Triller because they were supposed to have a fight of his that was rescheduled, but it had never been rescheduled, and he's just been sidelined. And this all just kind of aligned perfectly for him. He's stepping in. But I don't even think that's the biggest news of the night. The biggest news came with Donald Trump being announced and Donald Trump Jr. as essentially game cast sideline hosts of the fight. Now, I don't know how this is going to work. Triller has Jim Lampley doing a lot of their fights now, and that's the main announcer for the fight. I don't know if Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. are going to be announcing the fight with him or if they're going to be doing their own side stream where you can catch their thoughts on it, but 
it's pretty cool, regardless of your political beliefs, to have Donald Trump on there talking about a Evander Holyfield fight. It's like, what the fuck am I back in 1992? <laughs> is Evander Holyfield about to fight? Oh, what is going on? But it's just something really cool to see, if anything, to log in and listen to Donald Trump talk about Evander Holyfield. Also, Anderson Silva's on the undercard uh, against Tito Ortiz. So just more Republican politics being thrown in the mix with Tito Ortiz uh, being here. I think city council or mayor, something like that. One of these mayor, county cities. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, just a nice little fun card. And I'm glad they're having it on Saturday, not on Sunday, like a lot of these circus events are doing where they're, they're doing their fights on Sundays for some reason. But this one is on a Saturday. Tune in. Donald Trump, Vander Holyfield, Anderson Spider Silva, Tito Ortiz. Great fight night. Flores, to clarify, he's no longer the mayor of, of Huntington Beach. No, he's, he's not. Not anymore. He used to be. But Flores, you, you're so disrespectful. You're talking about President Donald Trump going to be calling the shots in this game. And this thing is delicious, like Evander Holyfield's ear. I asked Tyson earlier about it. He said he loves this fucking fight. I'm taking Evander Holyfield minus the 110. Look, Belfort knows how to fight if it's a UFC, but Holyfield has been boxing his whole life. The fact that it's minus 110 right now, I know it's only eight rounds, two minute eight rounds. That's easy money, I think, Flores. Don't you agree, even if it goes down to a decision? Yeah, it is surprising. Uh, Maybe just, I mean, Holyfield is really old, dude. Like, there was, there's Oscar De La Hoya old, and then there's Holyfield old. That's old, old. So, uh, you know, I don't know how that's going to play out, but it is a smart thing to do. If you're out there and you have nothing better to do, just lay the money on him and parlay that with Anderson Silva because I really like the way he looked boxing last time out when he just smashed the real boxer in Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So Silva and you might as well just parlay it with like you're saying with and, Holyfield. And Silva right now is minus 450. So he's very big favorite to win this. So um, That's why you got to parlay both of them. I'm not going to parlay. I'm just going to go straight at Evander Holyfield. Nothing else. What What is the odd, What are the odds for them to to tie to draw? Where it's like it hasn't been released yet. That that's what that's what I would say. I mean, you have a, a true boxer, and then you have an athlete who's younger. Um, Chance, you're going to be back home. Is that what you said? Are you going to be able to watch this? That's the plan. Um, I'm. When When is the fight? It's on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I might be able to watch it. I'll actually be able to watch some of it. I'll be in the air coming back to L.A., but I'm going to try to catch old-ass Vander Holyfield and see what he's doing and him and his saggy titties because I can't imagine, like, this dude fighting at the age of – he's got to be in his 50s. Yeah, I like mean – Like mid-50s. Yeah, and um, the, the fights, Flores, you said there's four fights or there's three fights? It's a whole card, so not only are there those fights, I'm sure there's other fights uh, before that as well. Uh, But again, the only ones that matter are essentially those. And he is 58 years old. Thank you, Jimmy, for that. Jimmy, thank you. With the stats, 58. Good luck, Evander Holyfield. Andres, you really are going to put your money on him. I really, really felt that. So... (laughs) Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, this is week one and, um, I'm sorry if 
I casually introduced the Cowboys-Buccaneers game as the first game of the NFL season. That's because I'm already sad about it as a Cowboys fan. But I am not sad about my fantasy team, which, by the way, for the first time ever, this is the first time ever I did not draft any Dallas Cowboys. So I have a really, really good chance of winning all my leagues, respectively. Now, um, there's 10 a.m. games. There's 125 games. I'm going to start it off. Um, I'm going to start it off with my favorite 10 a.m. game. My favorite 10 a.m. game is going to be the Steelers and Bills. Um, why is it going to be the Steelers and Bills? Because the Steelers need to bounce back. Um, they started off, I think it was 8-0 and last year or maybe 11-0. and They started off really strong, and obviously they fell off. Big Ben Roethlisberger is a storyline to follow. He's got a lot of offensive weapons, brand new running back um, out of Alabama. I, th I believe his uh, name is Najee Harris. I drafted him in one of my leagues. So I'm watching that game specifically to see how Big Ben bounces back. Um, put it aside, his, his antics, what he did off the field, what he was accused of. I put that aside just to see if he can be the athlete that – we all remember him by and uh, the Buffalo Bills, obviously front runners, maybe one of the top two or three teams in the AFC to win that conference and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, Chance, what do you see for Sunday? You know, I'm looking at all these games, man. And the one that stands out to me, is a game that's going to be 1:25 p.m. Pacific, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cleveland Browns. Oh. Stefanski is the is the reigning coach of the year. This defense is uh, remade with the secondary that's going to be much more competitive, and they're saying that Baker Mayfield is now an elite quarterback because of what he did last season in the playoffs. So I'm very curious to see what happens and if this this upset can happen. It's going to be, I believe, in Kansas City, so it's going to be a tall task for the Browns. But I could see it happening. So I'm really paying close attention to that game, Patrick, that Kansas City Chiefs-Cleveland game at 125 p.m. Pacific time on CBS. Flores, what is your game of choice for Sunday afternoon? <laughs> That's a hard-ass game, Cosby. That game, I mean, you can go game of the week with that. That is an amazing game. Cleveland at KC, again, whoever takes the loss, their season's stumbling out to the way they did not expect. So that's a great game. I mean, I can go with low-hanging fruit and, and call my 49ers game the game of the week, but I'm not going to go that route because there's a lot more interesting just storyline things out there for the first week. And one that I'm going to so I like to surround myself with whatever my team is, the teams around them. So I'm going to go Arizona Cardinals Titans now that the Titans have this great offense now that they brought Julio Jones in. How is that going to work out? Is it going to open up Derrick Henry even more? Is it even going to make a difference? It's a huge game for both teams. Arizona wants to get off to a good start as well. Hopkins is there. Murray's there to do his thing. The coach, Kingsbury, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, is there to do his thing. So 
let's see what happens in this game. I'm really interested in that. And again, there's nothing better than those 10 a.m. Sunday morning games when there's like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games at 10 a.m. this Sunday. That's amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, I'm down. I mean, I got I got little fantasy players in all these games. And last but not least, Andres, what are you watching Sunday? What are you going to be focusing on? Um, you know, weirdly, it's going taking. I'm going to pick the game of the, the night on that Sunday night game, the 5:20 game, the Chicago Bears, the Bears against the L.A. Lambs. I mean, I'm sorry, the Rams. Uh, see what Matt Stafford has to bring into the table for the LA Rams. That's intriguing. And against the, I don't know, guys. Maybe Justin Fields sees the sees the field uh, on Sunday, but it, I don't think so. I don't understand why they're not starting him. If they start the redheaded stepchild and Andy Dalton, he's going to be eaten alive. I have the Rams defense in my fantasy team, so I'm going to see what they can do. Maybe blow the the roof off at uh, the new stadium. Uh, let's see what Stafford, he's got a team around him. He has no excuses. Let's see what the Wonder Boy and that uh, McVeigh era can do for the Rams. But that's the game that I'm intrigued. I want to see if they can bring out the kid in Justin Fields. I want to see Stafford finally air it out and maybe have a chance to make the playoffs under a new team. So that's what I'm keeping my eye out on Sunday night. Do you remember yeah, on – Go ahead, Patrick. No, no, Sorry. go ahead, Chance. No, I was just saying, he's not going to do shit. They might win that game because they're playing an inferior opponent, but he's he's not going to do shit this year. He's not going to do shit? Uh, you want a Camry or do I you mean, want an Accord? I mean, I'll put it to you like this. I'll put it to you like this. If he's going to do something, why does Vegas only have the Rams winning a half game more than they won last year? If he's so transformative, he's so much of an upgrade. I've always said, Matt Stafford, comparing Matt Stafford to Jerry Goff is like comparing uh, uh, an Altima, a cloth Altima, to an Accord with leather. That's all it is. <laughs> ain't get that much better. So we'll see. I mean, I, you know, he might prove me wrong, but I just don't see it happening. I'm just intrigued because I, I'm more, again, I'm only hoping to see Justin Fields take the field on Sunday, and that would be the smart move for the Chicago Bears, considering that he is the face of the franchise. Let him start young. Let him go up against a true defense. Uh, facing him, so especially with Donald Donald coming around the edge, so um, that's the only reason why I picked this game, Chance. It has nothing to do with Stafford. I don't think he's the, the greatest of all time. I don't think he's going to do that great anyway. I never liked him with his decision making in Detroit, uh, but I just want to see if he's going to live up to show a little flash in the pan uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. you, you nine? No, one thing with one thing real quick with Fields uh, before we get off that topic. Um, I am a big believer in him for this year. Uh, I helped my wife draft her fantasy football team, and I told him I told her to take him as a backup QB, just because I really think that come, you know, in a month or two, he is going to be the star truer there, and he is going to get, begin some stats both on the ground and through the air. So I'm a big believer in Fields. Maybe they just don't want to put him in there for the first week because of Aaron Donald, Andres. So that does make sense. Yeah, I. so am I the only one on Monday night? So ladies and gentlemen, audience, our lovely audience, we only talk about games from Wednesday to Sunday. But if there is something exciting going on, like the first Monday night football game of the year, 
we are going to talk about the Raiders hosting the Ravens. And um, Chance is a huge Lamar Jackson fan. We are watching him right now on Zoom with the Lamar Jackson jersey hanging right behind him, beautifully framed. Um, taking into Las Vegas, the Death Star, Allegiant Stadium, or as Andres likes to call it, the Roomba Room, because it looks like a Roomba vacuum cleaner. Um, now, am I the only one out of the four of us that thinks the Raiders actually have a chance to win on Monday night? No, not at all. And I'm actually concerned about this game because I think, think that having lost two of your top three running backs, having lost your top receiver who you just drafted this year, it makes me feel like that this team is going to revert to the old day, not the old days, but like Lamar's first full season where they were just having him run constantly. Um, Jim Harbaugh, or excuse me, John Harbaugh already said that before these injury happened, before these injuries happened, that during some of their scrimmages with other teams, that Lamar was refusing to leave the pocket, that he was he was staying back there, wanting to throw darts, really trying to play from the pocket and not go with his instincts and just run the ball. But that's hard to do when you don't have those weapons behind you, when you don't have J.K. Dobbins, um, when you don't have the guy who they lost the other day, and it's just Gus Edwards, and now they signed Le'Veon Bell to the practice squad, not even to the actual roster to the motherfucking practice squad. I know they brought in Todd Gurley back in June. That didn't seem to work out. I don't know if they show any interest in him. Latavius Murray was actually cut by the New Orleans Saints. Um, that was more of a pay dispute. Um, he was getting paid about 3.1 plus bonuses, and they needed to trim because they are way over the salary cap, and he was refusing to do it, so maybe he could go there. But I am concerned, Patrick. I really am concerned because um, I believe in Lamar and the Ravens, but – you got to have soldiers. You got to have those Jimmy and Joes. And with him missing two of his top, you know, running backs, and this is a run-oriented team, uh, I'm concerned that the Raiders could sneak up and, and pull off a victory. Andres, is this um, an obvious pick for you, or are you thinking that the Ravens, even though Chant said that all the struggles they face, do you still think the Ravens can uh, win? No, sir. Give me the Raiders. Really? Love the Raiders. <laughs> uh, I think they look really good. They got, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're missing two big uh, players on the offensive side for the Baltimore Ravens, it doesn't open up your, your passing game. I don't care. Unfortunately, I do care because I do have Mark Andrews as my tight end. But uh, when you can't establish a run game, it's going to affect the whole thing. So the Raiders do not, uh, aren't missing any of their running backs. Jacobs is the, the front runner. He's going to be the workhorse. He's going to open the the game for Waller on the tight end position. So I'm taking the Raiders to get their inaugural first win at the Death Star uh, come Monday night. Give me some Chucky dolls, though, rolling some dice. You know what? They should have a Chucky doll dressed up like Elvis in Vegas. <laughs> I'm going to call up, I'm gonna call up the, the Venetian and see if they can schedule that. <laughs> Flores, you have 30 seconds. Raiders or Ravens? It sounds like it's unanimous because I'm going Raiders on this one too. Really? Just a lot of the problems for the Ravens and the Raiders are going to have that energy, man. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I like I said, I, I silently root for the Raiders. I like to see them win until they play the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. I have no beef with the Raiders, and that concludes this week's sports entertainment. Um, the weekend starts on Wednesday with Panama versus Mexico World Cup qualifying soccer. And it ends Monday night this week with the Raiders 
hosting the Ravens. We have one more segment, Scumbag of the Night, coming right up. I, I just also want to mention, I think I've mentioned this before, I don't think, just like Andres said, I don't think there is another show this side of the Mississippi that has talked more about Iowa basketball or just Iowa sports in general, ever. The scumbag of the night is the individual responsible for ruining your sports happiness. They could cost you a bet, cost you a victory in fantasy sports, or they can make the headlines for all the wrong reasons and piss you off. From time to time, we get some fan requests for scumbag of the night. And this week, my beautiful fiance, the lovely Diana, she has a scumbag request and it's actually kind of funny just like i was telling you guys um i wanted to use this as a hero or a headline but it's more scumbagish. so it's gonna be oscar de la faker because flores oscar de la hoya is faking covid the lovely diana dissected and stared at his picture from the bed where he said he has covid and she points out he is wearing a hospital robe but it doesn't look like He's in a hospital and she thinks he's faking it because he did not want to fight this weekend. So Oscar de la Faker, Andres, do you agree or disagree that he might be faking his COVID to get out of this fight? I mean, he might be faking it, which is a good point, but I would love to be in the same room and have the lovely Diana uh, show me the evidence of this wonderful conspiracy because I'm all for it. <laughs> I love a good one, but I want to see what, what proves that he's a faker. And he's probably right. He probably didn't want to get his, his face beat in. Uh, so why not, you know, just uh, fake and still get some kind of uh, some news, whether good or bad. So just definitely get the media all, all over him. <laughs> and and I, I agree 100% on that real quick. Um, one thing with the Evander Holyfield fight, like I mentioned that he was planning to sue Triller and now conveniently... De La Hoya is sidelined, and he's able to step right in uh, a couple of weeks after that was announced. So did Triller pay off Oscar De La Hoya? And that's an easy get-out-of-jail card is the COVID stuff. Makes a lot of sense for us conspiracy theorists out there. Oh, so she is on to something. That's good. I'll let her know. I'll let her know that she's on to something. You heard her here first. Weekend starts on Wednesday. The lovely Dana's scumbag request. Shooting it over to you, Chance. Your scumbag. Who is it? Yeah, mine is none other than the uh, Notre Dame head coach, Ryan Kelly. And it's only because he made a comment. Obviously, they had a tough game, which I predicted. I didn't hit my bold prediction, but I predicted that it would be a tough game against Florida State. Looks like Florida State is turning in the right direction. They took Notre Dame into overtime where Notre Dame was able to vanquish Florida State. However, Brian, Com Brian Kelly made a comment that his whole team – needed to be executed after the win. Obviously, he wasn't being literal. Um, but I'm just going to give him shit, some shit because I think Brian Kelly is one of those guys who just has not learned from his mistakes. He's made comments like this in the past uh, where he he's kind of said things about his team that he shouldn't or he's maybe had an approach with some of his players that he shouldn't. And I just, like, look, it's obviously working for him because he's had, he's won at least 10 games of uh, the last four years while coaching at Notre Dame, which hasn't been done in a long time. Uh, but he's still just missing, man. And it's going to just take one of these comments 
to have the team unravel and he's going to lose them at some point. And as much as I would like for that to happen, because I'm not a Notre Dame fan, I'm sure our, our very own Andres would not like to see that happen because he's such a Notre Dame homer. So Brian Kelly, become a little bit more of a player's coach. You're doing well. You're able to get some of these guys. It's already hard enough to recruit dudes to Notre Dame because it's cold, it's boring, it's a tough academic school. Loosen up a little bit, man. Football isn't everything, and you, sir, are my scumbag of the night. He has, um, he has been my scumbag since 2009 when he took Cincinnati 11-0, and Andres. Do you remember this, Andres? Of course I do. He, he had Cincinnati at 11-0. and They got invited to a bowl game. They got invited to the Fiesta Bowl. A Fiesta Bowl, a very big bowl. And he fucking bounced before that game. He took the job at Notre Dame. And I think because of that, he left Cincinnati high and dry. I think he's been cursed. And I think Notre Dame needs somebody tight. Brian Kelly is not tight. He's a fucking old-ass loser. They need somebody tight to come in (laughs) and turn that program around. And... Hey, you know, don't forget though, guys. He also has the blood of a of a young videographer many moons ago. So he's not afraid to kill people. Okay, he's already he's got one under his belt. So be careful what you say about Brian Kelly. Although I've also hated him since day one. So don't he, even worry about it. He should have been fired years ago. But that's a whole other point. He shouldn't have let Manti Teo date that girl. I mean, <laughs> that <laughs> that's when it all went downhill. But moving it over to Flores, baseball-related scumbag of the night. What do you got? Yeah, and just real quick on Brian Kelly, just the way he delivered that horrible joke that was originally a great joke and quote by John McKay on the execution of his team, um, both on the field and obviously as the joke with execution. And, And just... Brian Kelly totally butchered that joke and tried to afterwards say it was a joke. But just the fact that he butchered it so badly deserves that scumbag. Great one, Cosby. Mine (laughs) is, look, real quick, I I, I sat down at uh, Rutt's Hawaiian Cafe in Culver City. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Great place to eat. And I saw on, I I think this was Monday, um, or maybe it might have been Sunday, actually, now that I think about it. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays and Boston Red Sox game was just starting. This was nice early in the morning. I think it was only like 10 a.m. Like, great, there's a nice baseball game starting right now, catching a little bit of it. Fast forward to me getting home after a long-ass day at the beach four or five hours later, and that game is still going on. And the biggest scumbag and the reason why is something that the Dodgers should be really happy that they avoided, but Alex Verdugo, I don't know what that guy is doing or why that guy is still in the major leagues, but it's seven to four in the top of the fourth, two out, two men on Chris sale, pitching Chris sale throws a great pitch. The hitter hits it. There is some sun. Don't get me wrong, but guess what? Sun is an excuse for little leaguers, not for you professional major league baseball players. And Chris sales already walking off the mound thinking, all right, innings over. I got out of this jam, but no, look at Alex for He's staring into the Sun as the ball just drops right next to him. Two runs score. Guy ends up on third. And that's not even the worst play he had mm. that game. Later on, he allowed himself, nobody else, allowed an inside the park grand slam 
to essentially take the Devil Rays into extra innings and have them win this game. The Devil Rays, let me repeat that, got an inside-the-park grand slam, and it wasn't even a hit. It was an error. I think it's the first time ever that was the stat I heard that uh, four runs scored without it being an actual hit. So whenever, again, I've mentioned this before, whenever there's a first in the major league, in the major leagues, that's pretty big because that means in the 100, 150 years, this has not happened. And for the first time ever, four people scored, four runs scored without a hit. And that's all Alex Verdugo's fault, plus those other two that he allowed off of his error earlier. He is the scumbag and he needs to be cut and relieved and sent down to the minor leagues for a long time after that game. Well, um, and not only did they allow inside the park grand slam, it was to probably the oldest player right now in baseball is Nelson Cruz was the one that did it. Cause when I saw the headline, he was, no, he was the one that brought in the two runs, the inside the park grand slam was another player. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was a long day for Verdugo then because I, I remember, I thought I had seen Nelson Cruz be the one to get the the grand slam, but shit. Um, that's a good one. Um, I, I liked Alex Verdugo, but you know, that is kind of funny. Uh, now the, the fourth one, NFL, former player, scumbag of the night, Cavalier King. What's, what is it? That has to do with former NFL player Clinton Portis. Uh, he was just found guilty for being involved in a nationwide scheme uh, to defraud a healthcare program for retired NFL players. So this guy was stealing from his own people, uh, his own brotherhood of retired NFL players. Um, he had submitted false and fraudulent claims to the plan on his behalf over a two-month period, obtaining $99,000 in benefits from medical equipment uh, that was actually not actually provided. So he just got a nice hefty check for it. And then back in 2019, he was defrauding another healthcare program uh, of more than $3.4 million by filing false claims for um, claiming to get a hyperbaric oxygen chamber uh, and other expensive medical equipment. So... He's going to be going to jail for a very long time, guys. At least 10 years. How, how, so, much, how much money was it in total? So in total, Pat, when it's all said and done, between the two in, um, incidents, you're looking at $3.5 million. I'm just trying to see his net worth right now. Um. I mean, there was other people involved in this thing, but his the, he's the biggest name because as well as him having two different incidences uh, that he was a part of. So Okay, I mean, it says that he's worth $5 million, so <laughs> I mean, he went... He stole a lot of people some money for him to go half of that, so... Okay, so but I the mean... The fact that he was stealing money from that retirement program of the NFL Retirement Players Program... Uh, is just a scumbag thing that he's stealing from his own brotherhood, uh, who went through the, you know, the daily in and out of tackling and, and getting hard nose and CTE and whatever else that the yeah. game of football can bring uh, to deteriorate their health. So complete scumbag move. Um, but that, that's all there is to say about that. 
Well, because he was a uh, Washington Redskin. If he was a Dallas Cowboy in the NFC East, he would never have done this. He would have been good. He'd, he'd probably be one of the um, Dallas Cowboys coaches right now if he played for the Cowboys. Well, that or the fact because he, the college that he went to, and you know what, what happens when you go to the, to the U at Miami University. So, <laughs> All right. So that wraps up the 116th episode. Uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed it. We will be back next week with more college and NFL talk. We'll see who wins the uh, U.S. Open, and if you're going to place any bets this weekend, good luck. <laughs>